On this episode of the podcast, I have with me Stephen Chu. He is the Chief Legal and People Officer at Instride. We're going to be talking about how education impacts, improves talent, retention, attraction, and maybe tenure. Uh, Stephen's got a really awesome background, and uh, I'm excited to cover this topic because I think it's really actually instrumental and quite often overlooked. So uh, thanks for coming on and talking with us, Stephen. Uh, thanks for having me here, Amir. Awesome. All right. So Instride, before we dive in, uh, tell everyone what the company does. Yeah. Instride um, partners with academic institutions to offer basically great education program uh, for large enterprise companies that are trying to provide workforce education benefits to their to their workforces. Um, we do specialize in kind of like large enterprise companies that have a huge uh, population, um, sometimes with a large uh, frontline workforce. Um, and, and, our, and our goal is really to offer them any type of education program that they really need. It could be a high school, it could be a high school degree, college degree, uh, non-degree certificate, a course, a, a coding course. Um, it can be any one of those things. It's really to um, drive any one of those uh, programs to meet the strategic objectives of the of the employing institution. Um, and the goal is is really win-win-win, right? Um, if if the employer can get their employees to enroll in these programs, it's a win for the employee. It's a win for the employer because they're getting their their talent um, up leveled and upskilled in the way they want them to be. It's a win for the academic institution um, because they're they're getting more learners and, and enrollees in their programs, which is what I think every kind of institution academic institution wants. Um, and so it's win win across win across the board, which I think is a unique uh, a unique value proposition for our business. And we're, we're going to kind of uh, walk through some of those benefits uh, through the course of the episode, and I think they'll be really interesting points. Um, before we dive in, obviously, I wanted to call out, you, you yourself have a, a, a unique background. So you are the chief legal and people officer. Uh, that that legal uh, component of that title is because you were uh, a lawyer, or maybe you are, I should stand corrected. But t- tell, us, tell us a little bit about a, a lawyer that's moved into the people space. Yeah, I, I think it is really uh, pretty different. I think most companies, especially mature ones, uh, don't have a combined legal and HR role. And I, and I actually think probably best practice, even though I'm uh, a counterexample to it, I still think best practice is to separate the roles, have both roles report into the to the CEO. Um, I think both functions are just critically important to every organization. Um, and especially I, in some ways, I actually think that the, the HR chief people officer function is becoming more important than the GC function, just because I think we're entering into this this era of how important human capital management is, um, and really understanding your people um, and what they can do for your organization is is becoming, I think, you know, in some ways, the right hand person to the to the CEO and the CEO's ability to understand that um, really drives outcomes for the business. Uh, for me, I, 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 you're right, Amir. I was trained as a lawyer. Uh, I came up as a corporate lawyer doing M&A, securities, uh, corporate governance work. Uh, that was my background, and I, you know, I, I did that for most of my career, uh, and then had the op- opportunity to kind of come to a place uh, that was looking to combine those roles, just for you know, in some ways, efficiencies, and I'd say save a mo- save some money. Um, I think our institu- our company is small enough. Um, we've about 175, 180 employees. That it, I think it still works. Um, you know, we're, we're small enough where where I think there's there's not the complexity of both sides that kind of you know requires the split role. 
Um, I'll tell you, to be frank, I, I spend more of my time definitely on the people side. Um, I spend about 20% of my time on the legal side. Maybe, I don't know if it's because it's easier for me and, and or, or you know, I have, I have really, really great uh, people in place to kind of manage that function, which is true. Um, but on the people side, you know, I, I think I've said this before uh, at times that on the people side, you can never go to sleep thinking, not, you know, like, you know, not going to bed, thinking about some issue or something that you could be doing better for your people, which I know we're probably going to talk about a little bit here. Um, it, it keeps me up at night. The people side for sure is there's just, there's so much to do. There's so much thought leadership out there. There's probably more podcasts about the HR side than about the legal side. Um, just because the people side, just there's more going on, more interesting. It's more relevant, I, I think. Um, and uh, yeah, it, it's what it takes up more of my time for sure. And uh, and, and I really enjoy it. Awesome, man. Yeah, we're gonna gonna cover a couple of those areas for sure. Yeah, I, I guess you know we're we're gonna this episode's gonna be around education, improving oh, pretty much your overall talent strategy. Every, everyone wants to improve retention. Everyone wants to. Uh, you know, help help with the attraction up front. Really, we're talking about culture, tenure. I mean, these are all things that every talent people person is aiming for. When we are looking at why education improves retention, why it improves attraction, I guess talk to us a little bit about why that that impacts the retention and attraction component. Yeah, I, I I mean it's a great question. I think let me start off by saying how important I think retention is, especially as I've just mentioned coming into the chief people officer role. In some ways, retention is the barometer or the measurement stick for figuring out whether you're doing all of the other things right at the company. All of the other functions, diversity, equity, inclusion, belonging, uh, people operations, recruiting, uh, you know, learning and development. If you're getting all of these functions right then your retention score or retention metric is probably pretty good, right? Um, because you, you kind of, it's like the, it's the one thing that kind of brings all the pieces together. And so for me, I've learned that retention is critically important for measuring the health and culture of the company that I'm at. Um, so let, let me just start off by, you know, kind of echoing what you were saying and, I, you know, and then showing the audience how important retention is and, is and can be. Um, so going back to your question around education, Education really, I think, comes from mobility. Um, and I think mobility is really the answer, is like the one in the one word answer to your question around like why does it matter? And I think so I think mobility is what and, and just let's define what it is first. Mobility is 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 probably can be defined in a thousand different ways, but I think there are probably two or three main buckets of how people think about it. Mobility one, you know, bucket number one is promotions, right? The ability for Steven to go from uh, level one to level two in his engineering function, right? That could be one bucket. The other bucket is moving between departments or moving between functions. So I'm an engineer today. I, maybe I'm doing software engineering, and now I want to join the HR department. That would be a, a really big jump, but it could be a jump nonetheless in someone's career that it, that that provide you know an organization providing mobility. Uh, and and those those are two big ones that I would say, and I, and I'll talk about how education can impact both of those. In, in, in both circumstances, education provides the tools necessary to move up or move over, right? And so using my the, the engineering to HR example, I might know nothing about HR, nothing. I've just been an engineer my, for my entire life, just like I, I was a lawyer my whole life. And now I need to learn this other skill. I need to learn this other thing. And, and education was allow, allows me to do that. It gives me exposure, lessons, learnings. And to, and to be able to pivot and move into another space. Um, and that's where education really comes in is 
is, is it gives me the opportunity to learn about something that I don't know about yet and understand what are the things that I need to take that other position. Um, and then again, mobility is where it connects to retention because if you have the ability to move around and, and do something, you know, today, engineering interests me. Tomorrow, something else interests me. Um, and if I give it, if the organization is willing to allow me to move around like that, either upward or, or over, then I'm going to stick around at that organization longer because that's where the opportunity is, especially if I love the company I am at. The only time I'm really going to leave the company is if you know I'm hitting a ceiling. You know, I, I can't move up anymore. There's not an opportunity. There's not an opportunity for me to move, which is why, real, you know, just to use a, a, a an anecdote or an example, Northrop Grumman is a great example of, you know, you look at the tenure of some of the employees at Northrop Grumman, and I've never worked there. This is just anecdotes from people that, that I know that have been there 20, 30, 40 years. And the reason why they're able to keep their employees is because, well, eight, one, their projects are really long. So when you're, on, you're working and sending a satellite to space, your project could be eight years. Um, but even then, after your eight years is up and you're working on that space, you know, sending that satellite to space, you can move over and do missiles, right? Or move over and do something else, you know, rocket propulsion, right? And and Northrop allows you to kind of move around, and that is mobility in its in its in you know as in its finest. And mobility allows for people to be like, oh, I'm interested in something else. I'll stick around because that other they're giving me the opportunity to do that other thing. Let me ask you this question because you know. I agree with you. I, I I completely can see the the benefits of allowing and providing those and facilitating somebody to grow. And I think we all really want that. And that's a big component. I know we always talk about people leave because of bad bosses, but I also think people leave because they don't have those opportunities and they think they need to go someplace else to find it. I, I guess the one challenge, you know, if you're if you're a working professional, you're somebody who's there and your company does have benefits, a lot of times you just might not take advantage of it because you might not really know how it fits in with your life, how how you can actually go get it. Is there a component of a company who has these benefits could actually be more proactive with trying to help people upskill and, and, and kind of being on the front foot versus waiting for somebody to come to them? Yeah. So, I mean, your, your question hits on, I think, one of the biggest indicators of a successful program for one of our customers. And I think a lot of people might not see this immediately or it's not apparent, um, but the, I will tell you what I think the number one indicator of success is for a particular program, and that's CEO buy-in, okay? And that, and I think a lot of people might not say, oh, like, you know, it can happen at the learning and development level, the HR department can just management manage it and just advertise it to employees. No, 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 or a huge budget. You know, we're just going to throw ten million dollars at the at the at education benefits and see if people take advantage of it. Um, but no, the number one indicator of success is the CEO. You know, basically trumpets it from wherever they're they're sitting, and there, it really causes two things. One is is usually when you, when a company provides education benefits, the employees are like, "No way, you're kidding! You're going to really pay for me to go to school at the same time." They just don't believe it, right? And and so when the CEO comes out and says, "Yeah, we're doing this," it sends a, a clear message that the company actually stands behind it. And the second, and that leads me to my second point, which is, I think, to your point, you know, when employees are busy, everyone's busy. They've got work, life, family, you know, you know, things to take care of. And and adding school on top of that to a professional work life is difficult, really, really difficult. But when your CEO says, "Hey, we're going to believe in this program. It's going to meet our strategic objectives. The, going to class." is like going to work. 
right? It's going, it's like the same, con- it's like, it's still providing a major benefit to our organization. And I view them as equal. That's, that's when you're going to really see more uptake and participation is because the CEO is saying it, um, or, or the executive team is saying it. it. It really just has to have executive level buy-in. Um, and for those two reasons that I mentioned, and then employees are going to start to really believe, yeah, this is, this is meaningful to, to the organization and therefore I can take advantage of it. Um, we as a company also try to provide uh, a ton of different ways and we can, we can dive into a couple of them. One would be, you know, just, op- you know, there was something called wellness days that we had during COVID time. So, you know, tons of examples of that where companies would take summer Fridays off, right? Like during COVID, like during the summer, everyone would have Friday off because they needed to, uh, they were on Zoom all day and needed to, re- you know, recharge their batteries. And so those are, instead of doing a wellness day, you can do a development day where the company says, hey, you know, we value the education so much that on this particular Friday in the summer, everyone's just going to take education courses. You know, take, you know, we're going to provide that that benefit that, you, that we talked about that. And, you know, some courses are four hours, six hours. Take that software coding course. Take that leadership management course. Take that supply chain course. Um, just to like refresh your skills, learn something new, open your mind up, um, and really dedicating development days. Another one is just to provide office hours. So you can and you can just send send it from the company wide email address and say, okay, between the hours of ten and two on on Wednesday, everyone in the company is going to take four hours, and and there's going to be no meetings. We're 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 past so passionate about the program that you're during that four hours, no company meetings. You can tell your manager not to schedule them, and you're just going to either do your homework from the class that you have. Or, or go read a book, right? Do something to just, you know, that's different from the regular day-to-day, you know, job that's in front of you and 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 go, you know, do some professional growth and development. Yeah, I, mean, I love that because I, th- I think, you know, you kind of answered, I was, I was actually going to kind of ask you how you actually implement some of the stuff. So I think you covered that. And I think it makes a lot of sense that you have to take out some of the excuses, the blocks, the reasons why people will bring up why they can't participate. And I guess, you know, a lot of times when we think about educational benefits or courses, I guess a lot of times maybe people have an you know, image of it that it's based on that providing value to, let's say, more entry level, more junior, where people need to ramp skills up or in those types of scenarios. But a lot of times you get people who are more senior, more staff level especially in software engineering, where they still have a desire to to add skills, it's getting a little bit more challenging because they're kind of at the peak and you know, top of what they already know and they want to go the next level. And that's really what they desire sometimes. They want that challenge. They want the mental, the technical challenge. When you're looking at maybe more, you know, advanced professionals or people who have long, you know, longer work histories and they need to stay up and improve their skills. How do you approach that? Is it, is it any different, or is it pretty much the same same thing you're seeing? At, you know, at, at different levels of 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 employees. So I swear I didn't give you five dollars to ask this question, but um, Amir, you should know that uh, I do have a college degree. Um, I also have a law degree, and because of the company that I work at, and again for almost literally the last the, the last twenty minutes we've been talking. I am also enrolled in an MBA program at Arizona State University. So, and, and there's, you know, there's so many different ways you could say, you know, you, you got to, you know, eat, you know, eat the cake that you're baking. You got to drink your own champagne. There's a ton of different ways to say, but we, you know, eat what you cook. Um, that's this is me or our company. I'm an executive of my company. Report to the CEO. Um, sit on my board meetings, and I, I believe that our program and what we're trying to do at our company and what we're trying to sell is so important that I'm going to do it too. 
And and I think it for all of the things that you said in terms of, you know, you have an advanced degree, you've reached a certain point in your career, you feel like you know a ton. And there's still for more for me to learn. I have a I'm I am the I think a classic example of growth mindset. I never think that i I know everything. There's so much more for me to learn. In my MBA course, I will tell you that every day I learn something new, and that's why I enjoy it so much. I really enjoy my MBA program at ASU. Um, and it allows me to connect dots that I hadn't seen where there were there before. I do think in my career, I've probably been exposed to a ton at the corporate executive level, but it allows me to like see things that I didn't see before from an academic philosophical perspective. Um, and so I use myself as the example, but I think your question was way more general. And so, and to how to get people that, you know, have reached a certain stage in their careers. One is make sure they continue to have a growth mindset. I think that is the type of person you always want in your business. Um, at any level. And so, and, and probably if you're a listener, you probably have a growth mindset. So I'm probably preaching to the choir a little bit, but if you, if they have the growth mindset, then they're going to know that there's more out there for them to learn and for them to see. And, and it really, it's in our program, we offer as many academic offerings as there are out there. So there's, there's probably, there's over 3000, just to give you a, a, a pure number of different options that a particular learner at a company can have. So over 3000 is like the paralysis of choice. That means it's just too much, right? And so we really do help narrow down what the options can be, what are more relevant. We might talk about pathways if we have time um, or career education pathways, which you know, we can talk about those. Um, but at, at the end of the day, it's narrowing down the options for even a person that is 10, 15, 20 years into their career and still finding something out of 3,000. I'm sure we can find something relevant to that individual, just like we found an MBA course that was relevant to me at the point in my career. Awesome. I, I, I love it when someone uh, actually subscribes to what they are uh, preaching. So I think that's a great, um, that's a great thing for you and, and, and in stride and your overall mission. Um, l- let me ask you this. And I guess this, this might be a good f- final question for you. Um, you know, we're trying to use education to improve retention attraction. There is a key, you know, dotted line between tenure, culture, obviously some of the uh, tribal knowledge that you retain, some of the institutional knowledge you, you retain, all those different aspects of having tenure. I guess, what do you see as education as that driver to to helping improve culture? Not not obviously be the culture, but improve the culture. No, there, that, that one's this is such a great question. I think that the most basic answer to that question actually is education improves retention. Because if I'm paying for, if the employer is paying for the employee to go to school, depending on how long that program is, uh, they're going to be stuck, right? I'm, the company is going to be paying for that education course, and I'm going to stick around at that company longer because I know that I'm benefit because the company is paying for it. And so, if that program is six hours, I'll stick around for six more hours. If that program is six months or two more years, like my, you know, my program, two years, obviously, I'm going to stick around to the very end because if I know if I leave or leave the company. I'm gonna have to pay for it on my own. If I try, and, and I think there's a real start, stop, finish mentality there, which is to the extent you're the type of person that wants to finish what you started, like you know, finish that book that you started. And there's plenty of us out there that you know, well, some of us that stop in the middle, but there's plenty of us that try to finish the book that we started. We're gonna finish that program and we're gonna stay at that company as long as it takes to be done, right? And I think that is a built-in retention mechanism to paid employer-paid education. I think the other one is is really cultural. And I think I haven't, you've used that word. This is the first time I'm really using it. And I think employees, you know, A, they want to be at a mission-driven company. That's, I think, number one for Gen Z and millennials these days. And I think that's, and it's a true statement. I think that's not an improper generalization. 
And I'm, I'm glad that that more people entering the workforce are, are mission driven. But I think number two to that is they want to work in an organization that believes in them, right? That cares about them, that looks at them as not just as, you know, cogs in a machine, but actually up, you know, you know, I think I think when you look at when you have a manager that says you're you're the employee is more than just the nine to five. The employee has a family. They contribute in so many other ways to the foundation and the culture of the company than just when the hours that they put in and the and the and the throughput that's coming from their 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 you know their hands and their brains. I think when you look at the person instead of just the worker, then you're going to get you, that that entire culture will pervade the organization, which I believe it has at at, at Instride as well. And everyone's just going to be happier. And if you have that, you have that engagement. You have that culture. It's it's a company that's worth staying longer at. Um, instead of you know thinking the if, you know when they if it comes time to where the are they thinking the grass is always green or is the grass greener on the other side? They're going to look at their own organization and say, wait, wait, this organization's paying for my education benefit. Why would I go anywhere else? This this organization really cares about me. Absolutely, I, I I love it. I mean, honestly, I I I wish more companies would be more proactive with educational benefits. I think you made some great arguments as to the benefits and and why. And and I love the fact that you you yourself subscribed to it and are you know, post post JD degree getting an MBA. So uh, super exciting for you, Stephen. If somebody wants to pick your brain on, I mean, you covered a lot of stuff when it comes to education. Um, if they want to reach out to you, what what's a good way of touching base with you? Yeah, touching base with me specifically, just looked me up on LinkedIn, Stephen Shu at, uh, at Intride. Um, but if you want to learn more about what Instride can do, which is all the stuff that we just talked about, Amir, uh, the easiest way is go to our website, Instride, you know, www.instride.com. Okay, awesome. Stephen, thanks for coming on. Thanks for sharing. I think it was a, a great topic. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. That's it for the episode. I'll be back again, different guests, different topic. Uh, Two things. One, I think we covered a lot of great material. And hopefully, if you have educational benefits and are curious how to improve in in terms of providing them or have further questions, well, first of all, reach out to Stephen. Um, Obviously, he's an expert in the area. Secondly, share this episode with somebody else who might have some of these questions and it might, might benefit from the episode. Also, like, subscribe, Leave me a review. Uh, Let me know how we're doing over here. I'd appreciate that. Until next time, thanks and goodbye.